Good morning, everyone. Wow, I saw a picture last night of all our, well, not all, because many of you are here, but lots of our guys standing at the top of Scarfell Pike, which is the highest, I think it's the highest point in England, isn't it? Isn't that amazing that they did that yesterday? And um, they just look so excited and so very pleased with themselves. But beyond that, as I chatted to Pete this morning, he said, it's just been the most amazing time of cementing relationship and just a sense of unity and partnership and fun and relationship. And you know what? We are a church that are passionate about seeing our men and our women rise into a strong place in Christ and fulfill their call. So we are super excited. Should we just pray for those guys on their way home? Lord, we thank you for what you have done in um, each of those um, guys that, that have been away. And we pray, Lord, that you would give them safe travel as they return. We pray that nothing that has been instilled in them in this time would leech away or be stolen away by the enemy. But we also want to pray for every man sitting here today or listening online who wasn't able to go for varying reasons. And we pray, Lord, for each of them, that they too would be strengthened and empowered in you, that they would grow closer to one another and that they would grow closer to you in their walk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, morning everyone. Well, I'm a little bit armed and dangerous this morning. I've got some props. I I feel like this could be disastrous or it could be amazing, but probably nothing in between. Please don't share your opinion with me afterwards because I won't want to know. All right. Um, We are going further as a church. As you know, we've been looking at closer. We've been looking at deeper. And finally, we're talking about going further. And today, I want to explore what it looks like to be disciples that will go the distance, that will go the distance. Because the thing is about going further, that actually we are called to run a race that is marked out for us. And so today, we're going to think about that. But I want to start by showing you the face of this incredible lady who most of you will never have seen before. But she is a total hero. Her name is Claire Lomas. And back in 2012, she was the first person ever to complete the London Marathon with paralysis. And she did it in a bionic suit. It took her 17 days to finish the London Marathon. What an incredible lady. But she was determined. You see, she was already an athlete. She was a horse rider. And she had a terrible accident back in 2007. And as a result of that, she was paralyzed, I think, from the chest down. But she had the use of her arms. And obviously, within that, there was a huge level of despair um, as everything that she had enjoyed doing, it felt, had been taken from her. And yet, day by day, a determination rose in her heart that she would walk. And so, she began to train with the help of professionals. And she had a daughter. She met her husband, Dan, um, post her accident. And um, she decided in 2012 that she was going to run the marathon. And she only got the bionic suit in January of that year, and the marathon was in April. So she didn't have very long to prepare. But prepare, she did. And the amazing thing um, in a write-up about her, which I thought was just so poignant for us today as we think about what it means to be those who go the distance, is it said this, 
A journey of a thousand miles, well, in her case, 26.2, okay? But a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. At some point, she had to decide to take that first step and then keep on walking for 17 days until she made it across the finish line and made history. And in fact, uh, you may or may not remember that when the um, Olympics were hosted here, she actually was the one who carried the flame for the Paralympics. Um, Amazing, amazing woman. And what was her slogan? Don't give up. So simple, don't give up. Church, I'm standing here this morning because I want to tell you and I want to tell myself that it is not time for us to give up on the race that he has mapped out before us. That lady has raised, I think, um, half a million pounds so far for causes dear to her heart. And she won't stop there. There are so many other things that she has subsequently done. Look up her website if you want to find out more. But what an inspirational lady. So today, we're going to be thinking about what it means to go the distance as followers of Jesus. I was chatting to a friend of mine last weekend. We were out in Hyde Hall and we were walking and talking. And um, I was saying, you know, often we ask ourselves that question when we face setbacks, when we face disappointments. What is the point? Like, what is this faith journey really all about? And this person said to me, well, the thing that I always boil it all down to when push comes to shove is that I want to follow Jesus well. I want to follow Jesus well. And I want to put it to you that when we're thinking about running our race, we're not thinking about the next goal in our own journal. We're not thinking about the promise that God may have given us individually, our dream for our life via God. That's not it. When we think about running the race of discipleship, the end goal is that we lived our life and we followed Jesus well, that we ran our race well, nobody else's race, my race, your race. That is the end goal. And we need to keep that in mind as we read these beautiful verses from Hebrew 12. If you have a Bible or a phone or an iPad or whatever you need, why don't you follow with me as we read these three verses? And I'm going to be unpacking them in much more depth this morning. We're going deep, even though we've just got three verses to look at. So let's take a look. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter, of faith. I love that. I know in some translations it says the author and the perfecter, and author is a really helpful image, but I love pioneer, pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he, that's Jesus, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's just pause there for a moment. Scorning its shame, I often bypass that. But I love the thought of that because as Jesus sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, all of the shame that he endured on the cross as he was persecuted, as he was mocked, as it looked like he was never going to finish his race well, it looked like it was over and done with. In that moment, as he's seated at the right hand of God, 
He's pouring scorn on all of that shame. Isn't that awesome? It's such a strong image of, you know what? You thought this was over, but I have the final word. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Sorry, I should have shown you those verses at the same time, but it's, I'm multitasking. I know women are supposed to be great at it, but it's never really been my forte, especially when I'm communicating. So, we are each called to run the race marked out for us. It is our race. And wherever you or I find ourselves on the course right now, God is calling us to take just one step further, to keep going to be those who will go the distance right to the finish line, to follow Jesus well. So how on earth do we do that? Well, today I want to unpack these verses from Hebrews in more depth. And I'm going to look at some really simple examples of how we can stay the course and how we can move forward, go further. But I'm going to use some different props this morning and some scientific principles, which probably aren't basic, but based on my scientific knowledge, they are going to be childlike in, the ex- in terms of explanation. So for all of you incredibly technically minded people, you're going to have to bear with my simplicity today because I'm sure that you'd love to tell me all the extra compl- co- complicated things, but I'm Unfortunately, I have a brain that starts going blah, 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 blah when I hear too much of that, as interesting as it may be. So I'm going to simplify them down um, in a childlike way to help us grasp this morning what it looks like for us to go further. So the first thing I want to look at is a rocket. Where is it? Where's my rocket? Okay, just a little one here. Okay, see it there? You see... In order to propel a rocket into the air, it can't rely on air resistance because in space, there is no air, right? So what the rocket needs to do is to expel enough fuel to propel it upwards further into space. That's how a rocket launches and that's how it gains enough momentum to get off the ground and then keep moving. Expulsion determines propulsion. In other words, it has to expel fuel in order to propel it upwards. Would we like to demonstrate that this morning? Now, Val, you are in a danger zone right there. I just might need you to know that. My beautiful assistant, thank you, Amanda. Can we give her a round of applause? It's just going to demonstrate this. You're not going to see anything expelling, right? But you're just going to at least see the propel part because it's a fun visual aid and we thought it would be good. Okay, yeah, I'm going to get out of harm's way too. Um, Health and safety announcement. Anybody sitting over in this zone here, especially the youth, if you're on your phone, you might just want to be zoning in right now because this could hit you. Okay, here we go. Woo! Yes to that. Thank you, Amanda. We have liftoff. Now, just to show you a little bit more of what that looks like, I'm going to invite the beautiful Eddie up because it's a little bit like what happens with a balloon, right? So there's all this air in a balloon, and that, when that expels, there's this momentum that comes on a balloon, isn't there? That's how it starts to go up. So we're going to demonstrate that right now. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you for trying. That's not her fault. It worked earlier, but what can I say? Never work with animals, children, or balloons, clearly. Right, 
But you get the gist, right? As the air comes out, there is movement that happens. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Listen, church, if we are ones who want to follow Jesus well, if we want to take that next step further, if we find ourselves going around the same mountain today and the landscape all looks familiar and we wonder if we're ever going to make it into a new place, I want us to have a think about what it is that we need to expel in order to be propelled forward into that next step. You see, sometimes it's as simple as getting rid of something. Sometimes it's as simple as throwing off something. So I want to ask you this morning, what are the things that hinder? You see, it doesn't suggest here that we should throw off some things that hinder us or one thing that hinders us. The verse clearly says here that we should throw off everything that hinders us. So let's take a think about what it might be. It might be fear that's holding us back. You know how sometimes you know that the next step that God is requiring of you is going to require courage and sometimes when you're exhausted or depleted or fed up or whatever it may be, you just think to yourself, I don't know if I can just muster up what it takes. I'm afraid of what will happen if I take this next step. I'm afraid of what people might think of me. I'm afraid of what might go wrong. I'm afraid of whatever it may be. Sometimes it can be distraction. Sometimes there are, there are really great things in our lives and they're a part of who we are and our makeup or maybe they've got us to the point that we are. But actually God is saying it's time to let go of that thing because actually that's scaffolding in your life and in order to move forward, I need you to throw that thing off. It's been great to get you where you are but actually that's no longer part of your identity and as I move you into that next place, it's time to let it go. It might be shame. It might be material stuff. Come on, let's be honest. Sometimes we can be so focused on accruing all of those things that actually we're unable to take that next step because all we can see is all of the things that we want. And as that consumes us, it's pretty difficult to stay focused on our race. There are so many more things I could say, but I want you to ask the Lord today, have I reached an impasse? Is there a hurdle that I just can't seem to clear in my race? If it is, God, is there anything that I need to throw off that is hindering me? There are all sorts of obstacles. There are all sorts of setbacks that we encounter in our race. Exhaustion. It's a massive one, isn't it? Come on. Exhaustion. I talk to most of you on a regular basis either here on a Sunday morning or in other contexts where we brush up together. And often the thing that I'm hearing is I'm weary, I'm tired, I'm busy. Life is full on. It's at a pace. The race is fast. And sometimes just that exhaustion can be a roadblock that holds us back. Maybe today we need to actually let go of some of those things that we're busying ourselves with that the Lord is saying, actually, I didn't call you to that. That can't come with you on the race anymore because I need you to focus on these things. I don't know. But the other side of that is the sin that so easily entangles all oh, the sin word. 
gosh, it's what you expect in church, isn't it? You expect someone to stand up and wag their finger and talk about sin. But I can't shy away from it either. We can't shy away from it either because sin is anything, quite simply, that separates us from God. Anything that blocks or gets in the way of that beautiful channel of relationship. And it entangles us. Did you ever run the three-legged race at school? I know I did. I can remember vividly running the three-legged race in um, pre-prep school. And um, I remember being joined to the person next to me, but they hadn't quite, maybe I hadn't actually, to be fair, I don't think I should blame it on them. One of us, or both of us, hadn't quite grasped the concept of synchronicity. And so all we did was just fall over the whole way. And all the other kids were running past us, and there were we. Well, imagine that. Because this imagery here, the sin that so easily entangles us, is like trying to run your discipleship race with something else attached to you that doesn't get the synchronicity. It's not moving in tandem with you. And so every time you try to run or try to move forward, this thing is attached to you, and it's pulling you back. It's like a dead weight. That's what sin does to us. That's how it it stops us from running our race. The Passion Translation is beautiful, though, because actually what it does is it amplifies this even more for us. And it says this, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run. And I want to stop there because I know that for me, when I've read these verses before, I haven't understood that. I always think about all the things that I'm doing wrong or that separate me from God, and we need to look at that. It's true. But the other side of that is that if someone has sinned against us, if somebody has hurt us, or if there are circumstances in life, disappointments, discouragements, all those things that wound us and they are not dealt with, that too entangles us and prevents us from moving forward and run our race with perseverance. Is there a fence in your heart today? Is there stuff that just hasn't been dealt with and it's going round and round? You know when you're offended, you know when you've been wounded because you keep replaying the situation and you're stuck in this rut and you just can't move forward. There's no shame in that. And oftentimes, the pain is very real. I'm not here to say it doesn't matter. It does matter, and it, it matters hugely to God when we're hurting. But there comes a time when in order to run the race that is marked out for us, that we have to disentangle ourselves from that stuff. Paul Gutteridge, who used to lead the church before us, had a beautiful analogy for this, that sin starts off as a little foothold. It's like a creeping ivy, isn't it? And it just entangles around our foot. That's a foothold. There it is. But if we don't pull it off at that point, then what happens is it just grows a little bit further and it becomes a stronghold. And a stronghold holds you strongly. It's like a straitjacket and you feel that you can't move. But then if it's still not dealt with and it's not disentangled, it becomes a stranglehold. And a stranglehold will kill you, my friends, if it's not dealt with. 
So for some of us today, in order to go further, to run our race with Jesus well, there are some things that he wants to disentangle from our lives. And the great thing about Jesus is he does it so graciously. He does it so beautifully with no condemnation. He comes and he knocks on the door of our heart and he says, I don't want you in that stronghold. I don't want you in that stranglehold. I want you free to run your race. And if that's you today, we have the most amazing prayer team here. They are wonderful. And they would love to agree with you in prayer today. Maybe you've got a running buddy, somebody that you do life with, that you trust and can be vulnerable with. Sit with them. But please, could I encourage you, if this is knocking at the door of your heart this morning, don't leave this place without dealing with that sin that wants to hold you back, whether it's sin in your own life or whether actually it's something that's come to you from outside. So, the rocket, what we expel, the measure to which we will expel those things from our lives determines how far we can propel forward. Let's take a look at the next. We're thinking about a bow and arrow and resistance determines distance. You see, these verses go on to say this, and let us run with the race marked out for us. Perseverance. How do we find it? Oh, I hate the word perseverance because it means effort, doesn't it? You know, when people say to you, oh, maybe the Lord's trying to help you to endure in this situation. And you think, well, thanks for that. That's really helpful. I wish you hadn't said it because now I can't unhear it. And you're probably right. None of us like to hear it. Why? We live in the culture of the quick fix, don't we? We want it all now. We want it at the press of a button. Why wait for three days when I can Amazon Prime it? That's it, isn't it? Yes. Everything now, that's the way our culture is wired. We chop and change so fast, don't we? I mean, I don't know about you, but I've got commitment issues when it comes to hairdressers. I'm going to be real about it. I really have. I know that there are some people sitting here who have committed to one hairdresser for years and years. And by the way, Scott Staines is a really great barber, and you should commit to him. Uh, he's part of the Skylark family for those listening online. Just a shameless plug. But... I have commitment issues. I'm a chopper and a changer when it comes to hairdressers. I always feel like the grass is going to be greener on the other side. And I know that you sitting there with your smiley faces, you're saying, I identify with you. It may not be a hairdresser, but there's something in your life where actually, rather than sticking with one thing for a long time, as the generation before us was taught to do, we become a product of our culture. And in certain areas, we have fear of commitment. We just don't want to stick out the course. But you see, this race, this race to follow Jesus well, it's a race for life. It's not a race for quitting. It's not a race for chopping and changing. This is a race for seeing through. This is the only race worth seeing through. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. So let's take a look at that bow and arrow. Moira, could we give Moira a big warm welcome? She rocks. Okay, the dangerous stakes are upping a tiny bit. This is a toy bow and arrow, but we are nevertheless going to go that way. Cool, is there anything around there? Could someone just do a little uh, risk assessment for me? Thank you. 
Wowzers. I'm really glad. Oh, Freddie, you are here. I was going to say, uh, he's not, okay, he's nodding at me and he's looking slightly, uh, I felt like there was a slight level of concern in that um, eyesight. Thank you. I'm really glad you did that. <laughs> For the benefit of those listening online, there's a, a beautiful little child just uh, wandering in the area where we're about to demo the bow and arrow. Saved by daddy. Okay. So I want us to take a look at the bow and arrow, right? Because I'm going to unpack the principle of how it works. And again, I know this is very simplistic, but it works, okay? And it's true. So as Moira draws back the bowstring, we will see that in order for this arrow to go further, this has got to be stretched back further, right? Resistance determines... Let's say it together. Okay, so if she just pulled it back a little way, how far is our arrow going to go? Well, a little way. But if she stretches it to the max, using all of her muscle power, this resistance is going... Should we give her a cheer? Come on, let's get into this church. <laughs> okay. Can we just make sure there's no one over the other side of that wall, partition wall as well? John? Could you, just make, could you just clear the decks? I'm feeling slightly responsible now. What felt like a good idea in my living room doesn't feel quite so good on a Sunday morning. But hey, I've started, so we're going to finish. Are you ready? Are you as excited as me? You don't look it. Come on, church. Let's get excited. Here we go. So as she draws back, we see that beautiful resistance. And then go. She's a legend. Do you get the point? We can't have distance without resistance. I'm sorry to tell you that, but as you run your race, you are going to encounter setbacks. You are going to encounter opposition. There are going to be things that stretch you back, and it feels as though the Lord is pulling you in a different direction. And you're like, but, but God, you told me that I'm running for this point. And, and you feel stretched beyond measure. And, and it's painful. And yet, do you know what that resistance does? It forges resilience. Resistance is the thing that forges resilience in us. That's why I know that there's a thing called resistance training. I can't say I'm like, au fait on a personal level, but resistance training develops that muscle in us. And on a spiritual level, resistance and opposition and those things that we encounter, God may not ordain them, but he absolutely uses them to develop spiritual muscle within us so that we can get up and get up and get up again and keep running the race that has been mapped out for us. Listen, if we bypass resistance will never have the resilience to finish our race. And sometimes it's out of our control. We have no choice but to run through the resistance. But other times, we absolutely do have a choice. There's so many heroes of the faith, aren't there? And it's interesting that this passage comes right after the Hebrews 11 Hall of Fame. That's the context for these verses. We've just heard about all these incredible people, many of whom never saw 
the thing that they were believing for in their lifetime. Can you imagine? They're running their own race. And actually, they get to the finish line, and they still haven't seen the thing that they're believing for in kingdom terms. What enables you to keep running when you haven't seen? What is it? Joseph. David, 20 years between being anointed king and being appointed and established. And then all of those guys who never saw it. Paul, who was shipwrecked, who endured hardships and trials of all kinds. And then, of course, our beautiful Jesus, the one who ran his way right to the finish line, to the cross, who endured what none of us could so that we also could overcome and reach the finish line. In this life, you will have troubles. But take heart. I have overcome the world. For some of us this morning, I believe we've hit the wall. That's the thing, isn't it? When you run marathons or when you run at all, there's a wall. There's that point of exhaustion where you look at the thing in front of you and you think this is impossible. I want us to take a look at this clip because I think it articulates it better than I ever could. Oh, connection lost. Okay. Drew, are you able to show that clip for me, please? Thanks.
That's great, isn't it? Dennis, good old Dennis, making it through the wall. Some of us this morning, that's how we feel. We feel like there's this enormous wall in front of us. And I don't know about you, but one of the biggest things I think that makes me want to give up to not run my race with perseverance is everybody else's opinion of how I'm running the race. Oh, you got the wrong trainers on. Oh, you run like a girl. Oh, hang on a minute, you're not fast enough. Oh, you're not pacing yourself enough. Or maybe in my case, overconfident, insecure, too loud, not saying enough. Whatever it may be for each of us, we know that there are opinions of how we are running our race that were round and round in our heads. And you know, sometimes those, those criticisms, those critics become louder than the voice of God over our lives. But remember that there is a cloud of witnesses, those heroes of the faith. And we may not physically be able to hear them, but they're like that guy on the other side of the wall. And they're saying, it's okay. You can do it. You can keep going. You don't have to run anybody else's race. This is the race marked out for you. And you run your race with perseverance. Don't look to what the guy's doing in that lane and what he might be saying about your pace. Don't look to the guy on this lane and what he might be saying about your footwear. You run your race and run it well and run it at your own pace, in your own way. As long as your eyes are fixed on Jesus, you will make it. You can make it. So finally, the final thing I want to talk about today as we come in to close is the pullback car. Beautiful invention, isn't it, for those of us who are parents? It's one of those irritating things that you find and trip over in your lounge, except when I needed one for a demo, could I find one? No. Thank you very much to my friend Amanda who provided this for me today. Right, so the premise here, I think we're kind of getting the point now, is, Ed, would you mind helping me? Thanks so much. Could we give Ed a little round of applause? Thank you. The measure to which we pull back this beauty will determine how far and how fast it goes. So could we just demo with just a little pullback, please, Ed? Okay, as you can see, it's, you know, it's okay. But if the finish line is here, we're falling a bit short, aren't we? So then check out what happens as we really pull back this car. Yeah! Okay, we get the idea. Thank you, Ed. And if we'd been on a nice hard surface, as like a nice shiny wooden floor, we would, have, we would have really gone for it. So, what's the key then to not giving up? What's the key to going the distance? Well, I think it's all summed up in this verse, isn't it? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Sometimes we have to retreat in order to advance. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that we stop running our race altogether, but it means that we withdraw. And if we think about the life of Jesus, we see him withdrawing so many times to connect with his dad in prayer. That is why, as a church, we are so excited for our 24-7 hours of prayer coming up in June. Because if we really believe that God wants to propel us out further into our city, into our nation and our world, then if we don't take that time to pull back with Jesus, if we don't take time to remind ourselves that we're called to fix our eyes on him and no one else, we're not going to go the distance and we're not going to manage it. There are so many examples I could give you about Jesus. He starts 
just before he starts his ministry, he spends 40 days in the wilderness. And then it begins. Before he chooses his apostle, Luke 6 tells us that he went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him, chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Before the cross, he came out, Luke 22 tells us, and went, as was his habit, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he arrived at the place called Gethsemane, he said to them, pray continually that you may not fall into temptation. And he withdrew and knelt down and prayed. Before he fulfilled the ultimate mission that he was sent to do, he withdrew. So for us too, there's a pit stop sometimes needed in the race. You know, like those Formula One pit stops where the car pulls in just for a nanosecond. Well, it feels like it's just a few seconds, isn't it? I mean, they do that so fast. But there's new tires. There's alignment that comes. When we have lost our focus, when we are running our race and we're looking at a different end point to following Jesus well, that's the time where we need to withdraw. We need to pray. We need to spend time with Jesus in order to be realigned, recalibrated, refueled for the journey ahead. And I want to describe it like this. And I know that time's getting scarce, but I really need to do this this morning because I know that this is for some of us in this room. If this is our starting point of a race with Jesus, and if this over here is our finish line, right? And Jesus is here, the one that we are longing to know. Our goal in running the race, the thing that we are fixing our eyes on, is Jesus and knowing him well and following him well. Okay, that's the end point. But so many of us set a different finishing point. And usually it's here or it's here. Or it's here and it's somewhere in between. It might be a good thing. It might be a dream or vision that God has given you. It might be the next goal in your career where you feel you have been sent. It might be a relationship end goal that actually you're desiring a life partner. And none of these are wrong things. But listen, they are not the reason that you're running your race. And even if God gave you a word that you are standing on, I'm not telling you to give up on standing for that word. But I'm saying that what happens is that our focus shifts from the end game of knowing Jesus well and following him well and it moves to seeing the breakthrough for that particular thing and when that happens we are running to that point and we think if I can just get that job if I can just get it then I know I'll be able to serve Jesus or if I just find the right area to to um, serve in church then I know that my race is going to be better or if I can just get to that place of fulfillment that I I think I need in this next life stage then listen I want to tell you As we begin to focus on the wrong point, the thing that was right and good and maybe that God spoke to us becomes an idol in our lives and we can no longer see the end point, which actually is simply no matter what comes, I am running because I want to know him better. I am running because I want to follow him well. And yes, there will be setbacks. And sometimes, you know what? He gives us a dream or a desire. And when we get there, he says, time for a deviation. Actually, this was just a stepping stone to take you to a place that you knew nothing about. But when we have focused so hard on getting to this point, we don't want to hear it. And we're exhausted because actually we took our eyes off Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, and we made this our finishing line. And so we've got no energy to go any further. And that is some of us. And you know what? Honestly, there are times, several times in a week where that could be me. 
There are so many things that I'm standing in faith for right now. There are so many outcomes that I desire to see. But I am learning the older I get that faith in Jesus is not about outcomes. It's about relationship. And the finish line for me is getting to the end of my life and saying, you know what, even if I never saw it in my lifetime, and yes, I'll have faith and believe that I will. But if I don't, I ran my race well and I got to the finish line and I still love him and I'll still follow him at the end of my life as passionately as I did at the beginning. That is our goal, church. So we have to consider him. Consider him so that we won't grow weary and lose heart. And to consider him, I'd like to suggest to you that we need to withdraw and spend time with him because that is the thing that will give us fresh energy and alignment. And it will help us to take our eyes off the things, the walls that seem so enormous to us and fix our eyes on him, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. So will we be those who will go the distance Because I do passionately believe that a time is coming where we are going to be sent to the very ends of the earth to take the good news of Jesus. We're going to be salt and light like never before in the marketplace, in different spheres of influence. We're going to be carriers of his glory and his goodness and his presence and his life in a new way. But in order to do that, there's a resilience There's a perseverance that he wants to bring to us. Let's stand. Jesus, we thank you this morning for who you are. We thank you that you are the one that called us to take the first step. And that you will be the one that cheers us over the finish line. That your voice of affirmation, that your voice of encouragement is the only voice that matters as we run our race with perseverance. And so I pray for this beautiful church and for all that gather with us online because they weren't here in person today. And I pray for each and every one that they will be strengthened to their core. Lord, for those who need to expel things from their lives, sin that so easily entangles us or hurt that so easily entangles us, I pray there would be a beautiful moment of surrender today and that expulsion would lead to propulsion. I pray, Lord, for those who are facing resistance, that you would build resilience deep within our core. Lord, for those of us who are up against trials and setbacks and disappointments, Lord, that rather than sitting down exhausted, we would fix our eyes on you and that that resilience would cause us to just keep taking the next step and the step after that until we're running again with strength and with power. And Lord, I pray for those who actually feel they've hit the wall and have begun to focus on end points that you never ordained as a goal of the race in itself. I pray, Lord, today you would cause their gaze to be realigned as they fix their eyes on you and on running their race well. And Lord, that as they do that, whether those things come or whether they don't, they would have confidence to know that they are following you well. Jesus, would you speak in a way that only you can for those of us who need to hear it? And Lord, we give you our lives. I pray that Skylark Church would be known as a church that is willing to go the distance with you. In Jesus' name, amen.